Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If not, like me, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one, with innovators, startup, academia, NGO, all together looking for solution to the greatest challenge of our time. I'm Samuel Ettini, and this is the Sustainability Journey. Welcome to another episode. And today we discuss something that is really important. We discuss tourism practices, the impact on sustainability, and how we can go from the traditional way to a regenerative tourism. What is it? And we discuss this with an expert. We do it with Diane Dredge, so the founder and director of the Tourism Collab. Pleasure having you, Diane. Lovely to be here, Samueli. Thank you for inviting me. Diane, I'm really thrilled to have you in the episode. Tourism is such an important part for many of the economies of the world. But the usual question, who is Diane? How you have become a change maker? I'm an environmental planner. That's my background. And I started my career in environmental planning and uh, community engagement, community development. And very early on, I noticed that there was this huge transformation that was taking place when tourism was introduced to local uh, economies and local communities. There was this enormous transition and, and transformation that took place. And sometimes it wasn't a great transformation. It was something that uh, created a lot of angst in the community. And uh, it seemed like developers were just pushing through. So I really became really interested in this relationship that tourism had with places and with people and with the community. And it was through that journey and working sort of on the ground with communities, I started to really think about, you know, what, what is the role of tourism? Uh, we have always travelled and we always will because it's part of our human condition it's, uh, you know, we've always travelled to connect with people and places and for all sorts of reasons. But the way that tourism is industrialising just came, keeps having a larger and more profound effect on communities. And so my journey into tourism and uh, into the regenerative tourism space really came from working with local communities. I took a bit of a detour into higher education and uh, made my way up to become a professor of tourism and regional development. But in 2018, I decided to leave because as much as I was working in very embedded case study approaches and things like that, I really felt that I could have more impact if I actually worked with those communities and connected in a way that was more genuine and meaningful to me so and to the communities as well. So I started the Tourism Collab in 2018 as a way of really disrupting and changing the way that we thought about tourism in local communities. And, and it's really interesting, you see the transition, the work from the academia now to the practitioner and really the hands-on approach. And can you explain a bit what is the Tourism Collab and your experience there and how really tourism can become an ally of sustainable development and environment? I think tourism has a huge potential to become an ally for sustainable and regenerative forms of development in that it can actually contribute positive impacts back to the local economy, to the local people, places and uh, and so on. But um, what we really need is to really understand 
the way that we can contribute, the way that we can actually derive that positive impact. So at the moment, a lot of what's going on, and traditionally, the tourism is basically a, an industrial sector. It's been framed as an industry. And with that, it's been subject to industrial policy. And because of that, industrial policy is really about um, driving production and consumption. And also, what are the resources that we can exploit in that process of production and consumption? And how can we, you know, um, grow? So those kind of traditional ways that we think about our economy and growth and profit uh, and competitiveness, they've all been kind of baked into tourism policy. And they are the kinds of policies that really make it difficult for tourism and a visitor economy to actually make a contribution back. So where I've come from within the Tourism Collab is to kind of deconstruct what tourism is, what tourism policy is, and how we approach tourism and organise it, and really try to deconstruct it and then reframe it, redesign it through a lens of positive impact. And it's really interesting, uh, this work and really they see the nexus. So can you explain a bit you, how does it, the Tourism Collab, aim to disrupt these traditional tourism practices and how you are really unlocking the potential for a regenerative tourism? I think that in the tourism space, because it's been this industrial sector and it's really a lot of it's been focused on marketing, what I bring and what the Tourism Collab brings through my background and the people that I um, I also work with in the CoLab, it's all about being a complex systems thinker to really cross those boundaries between um, environmental management, uh, education, community engagement, you know, the visitor economy itself. Uh, and I also bring in a lot of um, my passion for the neuroscience of change, for thinking in creative and diverse ways. I guess as a founder and as the director of the Tourism Collab, we bring with us, you know, our lens and our perspective. And I guess that one thing that I think I really bring to the Tourism Collab is that I'm probably described as an introvert and a slow thinker. Um, I'm quite intuitive and um, when I'm thinking about what's really going on, I try to really connect into my head and my heart and my instincts. So really sort of drawing from an integrated intelligence. And I want to ask now the, the question that how, if you can give us some practical example, how does it work? How do your work, your work with the community uh, function and how you are, you are really putting in practice the concepts and the work? And while reading, I've seen you have one leading project, no, the Icelander Way Regenerative Tourism Living Lab in Tasmania. Can you explain a bit the milestone and how you, you are working there? The uh, Islander Way, which is a regenerative tourism living lab, is a project. Um, it's much bigger than a project. It's actually an experiment of how to to actually implement regenerative tourism on a small remote island in Bass Strait, which for the listeners is a small island in the strait, which uh, is, you know, the Australian mainland and then the small island of Tasmania. 
And Flinders Island is actually a smaller island within Bass Strait there, so it's quite remote. This was a very exciting project that um, we really feel very honoured and privileged to um, be able to deliver. The community itself had been subject to what we might call over tourism. So that, you know, the sentiment around the support for tourism, social license was at a real low. And, you know, a few decisions had been made around how to do tourism and how to manage it that the community didn't like. And so we went to this community um, looking for alternative ways to do uh, tourism. And as luck would have it, there was a change in election and out of this uh, election promise to deliver this regenerative tourism living lab, we got the gig. And uh, so this approach really embeds community engagement and community empowerment at its core. The reason being is that you can't host visitors if you haven't got a sustainable, flourishing local community and environment. So we have to take care of all of these other aspects before we can focus down on tourism. So we started, and one of the big differences between the way we work and, and others work is that we started with this community engagement, which was deep and sustained. And it went on pretty much for 18 months because people are interested at different times in the process. So people will lean in and they'll see something that's interesting or relevant to them. And it might not be at the very beginning, it might be halfway through. So we have to continually onboard people and get people really engaged. And we asked the community, so we understand that you're not all that happy with tourism. You do accept that tourism is part of a flourishing, local, diverse community in the future. So what is it that tourism can do for you? So flipping that question, instead of saying, how can we develop tourism? It's like, well, what can tourism do for you? And in that process, the community came up with six key ideas. Now. This is a process that took well over a thousand hours of community time to come up with these six projects. So collectively, we went through um, a process of, of workshops and engagement and writing postcards and art displays and different forms of engagement to come up with eventually these six projects. And interestingly, these six projects are around food, food security, waste, a visitor hub that allows people to connect and to engage with each other in a really respectful way. It's about holding up and, and creating space, island culture, and for um, waste, to really uh, look at different ways that we can manage waste to implement a circular economy. So that's how we work in tourism, which, which is really quite different to what you would expect. Also, I'm curious to, I, I want to go a bit deeper because it's fascinating. And of course, then a subsequent question would be the expansion. How then you have implemented the project, how the project were run? You, you partner with businesses? How, how was then the model developed? Well, this is an experimental project. So, you know, we were really sort of really trying to pace ourselves and listen to 
what the community was asking for, but we also engaged heavily at a policy level to try and understand how we might be able to shift the system and shift policy thinking as well. So apart from the community engagement, what we did is we, once we identified these six projects, we ran an incubator or an accelerator program that really was based on trying to flesh out what these projects would be. And our intention originally was to really try and think about how could these projects, even though they were community projects, how could they stand up as business ventures in the future? So that, you know, we weren't always going to be reliant on government, but how could we empower the community to build solutions that could be monetized so that they could survive into the future? And we knew that this was a long end game. And even though that we've got a two year project, we, you know, just really started to lean into this. So we developed this incubator and through a series of online and face to face workshops, we started to experiment. Um, there's a wonderful food security group that really started to experiment early with ways of holding markets and um you know, to share tools and knowledge and things like that. And of course, the challenge for an island is that if the boat doesn't arrive or if the plane doesn't arrive, then there's an issue around food security, which triggers people to overpurchase what's available in the little supermarket there. And so there's this real sense of boom and bust cycle around food. And so the food security group really wanted to bring in or to build a collective of growers who could come together and have markets and share and, you know, um, experiment with a karma, farmer stall and things like that. So it, it's been very experimental in the way that we've implemented this. And as we group who are delivering this project near the end of our two-year stint, we're really mindful of the fact that these projects have to stand up on their own or we have to advocate for additional support and write grants so that um, they can continue. It's You can't establish a community-led enterprise in two years. It takes longer than that. But we're on a journey. And I think that's the real key with regenerative development is that we have to accept that this is a journey, that it will emerge and we need to listen and you know go with the flow to some extent. And it's really interesting how you see, and also how this model, when you were talking, how this model can be replicated. So you have, as you said, you are an expert in system thinking, design and planning. You've been also a professor. How do you think this design of this regenerative model that you have approached can be transferred even to other area and also with other community to to really change also the the future of tourism from the exploitative mass and and as you say just thinking of putting numbers to really to also bring benefits to the communities this has been a very innovative project in tourism but essentially it comes down to how do we use tourism and indeed other kinds of development to increase and to address community wealth building, I suppose. Scale and scaling is something that we constantly get asked. Oh, that's really nice. That's a little project, but how do we take that knowledge and transfer it? How do we scale it? 
And I think sometimes that question itself is a bit misleading because we tend to think of scale as some kind of monolithic thing that we have to grow. The same solution or the same template we just need to apply in all other places. But the thing about scale, and I read this recently, is, is from an Indigenous perspective, scale is actually something that, you know, is on a fish. It's lots of little things, you know, little uh, lenses or scales on a fish and, and they fit together and together, you know, they protect the fish. And so when we think about scale in a slightly different way, using that metaphor, scale is actually about taking what we're doing and being able to apply it somewhere else, but in a very distinct place-up, community-led approach. So there are key fundamental tools underpinning what we do in terms of engaging with the community. So how to have deep, meaningful conversations where we build empathy, we learn, and we can shift our thinking and activate collective problem-solving. So that's one aspect. We know how to do that and we can replicate that, but it's ground up and it's built within the community. It's about, you know, running a community-led accelerator. We know how to do that, but we need to do it in the context of place and community. So we have these kind of tools, but it's about being able to apply them in a very context-specific way. Uh, and I don't see any reason why these learnings can't be used in other aspects of community development because at the end of the day if we take tourism out of its kind of little jacket as an industrial sector and we think of the visitor economy as a community wealth building exercise then we can replicate this and frame tourism in different ways uh, in another place we might actually be able to frame tourism as environmental protection or community development. So how we frame tourism, we need to take it out of that industrial box and frame it in a way that it's appropriate to that local community. This is a really powerful uh, insight that sometimes is overlooked and we just have to churn out numbers and people and is the number of people coming rather than really what it brings and how it is tailored to, and suitable for those communities and how you can be approached. And I want to ask from your perspective as an expert, you know, what are your goals in the future and how do you see also the tourism movement going on? How do you think that tourism will be evolved towards a more respectful way, a more community-based, or it will remain this more industry? that we are used to? I really think that, and, and going back to where we started this conversation, that tourism is, well, I should say travel is part of our human condition. So we will always travel, but it's how we travel and the type of impact that we leave, leave needs to change. And when I say that type of impact, whether it's a positive impact or a negative impact, we need to really focus in on what is the impact of that travel. So redefining tourism as a as part of our human condition. I love travel. I think travel is so important as a way of transforming how we connect with this planet 
and with other people and cultures. So I wouldn't like to think that we don't travel in the future, but we do need to travel differently and to make that commitment to contribute back more than we take. And I think um, the tourism industry as it stands at the moment is a quite exploitative industry, but has anybody actually asked how might the tourism industry or how might you know operators and tourism businesses open up and make available opportunities to give back to the local community to you know the cultures and to the place that question is not asked and that's the question that in the tourism collab we're passionate about answering because that's the way or that's the the type of generative question that will enable us to open up new ways of working in tourism. And a question now about your work. So can you explain a bit the difference between regenerative tourism and sustainable tourism? Because sometimes the the two aspects might be there. That is a really good question. It's very topical. It's not an easy question to answer, to be quite honest. So sustainable tourism is a kind of a scientific technical solution that we've devised because we know that we need to do less harm. Sustainable tourism is really based on let's maintain the industry, let's maintain the status quo or sustain the status quo of the industry while just reducing the level of harm that we leave behind. Uh, And it, it really comes from that industrial mindset. The alternative, well, it's not actually an alternative. We need these tools. We need the scientific, the technical tools if we are to move towards regeneration. So regeneration for me is a goal. It is an aspiration. uh, And it's based on an ecological systems view of the world in which we're all connected and that your well-being, my well-being, the well-being of the planet, we are all connected. So an evolutionary ecological systems view means that we need to take into account and not prioritise the goals of the industry or the humans and put them at the centre, but to really in balance understand the complexity of the system and what we do, we need whatever we do in tourism, we need to maintain the ecological systems that give us life. So in many respects, it's a complete shift in our worldview. It's an evolution of where we need to go to, to be able to work collectively, to be able to work and live collectively in a better way, in harmony with the planet. So in terms of the difference between sustainable and regenerative, for me, it also really involves in the first instance, that shift in mindset and to use our integrated knowledge. So to really reach into our core and ask, what is it that we need to do to be able to move beyond sustainability and really reach towards regenerating the people, the places, the culture, and the nature that we need to survive? And this is really the work and the philosophy at the back of what we discuss and the projects and really the approach of the collab. And I think that this can be an anchor for even other interventions, as, as you say, to scale in the definition that you have given to other areas with 
some tenants, but of course the localization. And I want to now to ask some of the people that are listening to us, of course, they are all over the world. What is Diane's message for them? Have you have any tips on how they can contribute towards a different, maybe a more sustainable and regenerative putting together tourism industry? At my very core, I would say uh, it is about looking inside and shifting our mindset and not jumping to the same old solutions that we've always used. So for me, looking inside and connecting with what we know about the changes ahead, we're talking about climate change, biodiversity loss, food security, water security, economic restructuring, all of these different systems are in play and are changing. And sometimes it can get really overwhelming and anxious. And so I really urge people to look inside and to really, what can you do at the individual level to unlock your own agency to work towards a regenerative future? And I think the second thing I would say is that Listen to communities, listen to the local lived experience, the local knowledge, Indigenous wisdom, if you have access to it, because, you know, the top down solutions haven't worked so far. We are quite far away from achieving the SDGs by 2030 as the UN reports that are leading up to the post SDG discussions indicating. So, you know, one thing that we need to do is to shift those mindsets. And the way to do that is to actually not believe that scientists and policymakers and those at the upper level have all of the solutions. We need to co-create those solutions with the local communities who have the embodied lived experience. So I, I really think that's actually a real cornerstone of what we do is listen and build empathy and engage and co-create at that local level. And that is fantastic. Fantastic, Diane. It's it's really a powerful message for the people. And I'm really impressed by your work and really the transformational journey that you have with the community and the work. And we hope that from the Oceania continent, you can move from even to other continents and really transform tourism in other areas. So it was been a pleasure and an honor having you in the podcast. Thank you so much, Diane. Thank you, Samuel. It's been a wonderful discussion and um, I look forward to engaging with all your other uh, podcasts because it's, it's an incredible platform you're building. Thank you. Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey.